Welcome to the Two Top Podcast, the weekly podcast where we go over different topics in the world. I'm your host, Thomas Lance, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Berg. How's it going? You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Make sure to follow us on Twitter to stay updated on the latest episodes. Now let's dive right into this week's episode of Two Top. All right, welcome back to the Two Top Podcast. A new new setup, new mics, new it will be interesting. Send us feedback. But Matt, as always, let's just dive right in. Dive on in. And today, Matt, we're going to talk about a topic that my uh, roommate actually brought up to me. Um, and it's a really dark topic to think about, but it's very current to our day and age. Do you know what the techno- technological singularity is? I don't, I don't. I don't even know that term. The technological singularity. It is... This idea that um, is the idea of uncontrollable growth of an artificial superintelligence. Once an artificial superintelligence is created, it will create a runaway effect where everything will advance at such a rate that human life will instantly change. This runaway effect would be caused by an artificial intelligence's ability to see flaws in itself and continually improve itself until it surpasses all human intelligence. Yikes, that's the plot to a sci-fi film. It is a plot to a couple sci-fi films. I'm thinking Terminator. I'm thinking uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey. It's like dark robots doing dark things. Um, The term was first coined by John Van Neumann in the 1950s when he was discussing how the technological process causes accelerated change. The accelerating process of technology and change in the mode of human life give the appearance of an approaching some essential singularity in history that the races beyond in, whoa let me just start that quote over that's a little bit of a run on okay the quote is the accelerating process of technology and changes in the mode of human life give the appearance of approaching some essential singularity in the history of the race beyond which human affairs as we know them could not continue so a singularity will come and we will not be con- able to continue life because technology has taken over. It's really, really dark, but it happens. Sci-fi film, like I said. Yeah. But another man, uh, I.J. Good's intellectual explosion model predicts that in the future, superintelligence will trigger a singularity. Uh, this professor of commu- uh, this professor of computer science at San Diego University and a science, fiction, a science fiction author known as v- Werner Vigel said in his 1993 essay, The Coming Technological Singularity, that this would signal the end of the human era as new superintelligences would continue to upgrade itself and would advance technologically at an un- con- uncomprehensible rate. And this is in 2000, like 1993. This is, I mean, before I was born. It's like we were discussing super technologies taking over the world. So, in 2012, there was actually a Singularity Summit where Stuart Armstrong did a study on the Artificial General Intelligence, the IGI, the AGI, uh, these predictions by experts, and they found a whole wide range of predicted dates of when the world would end because of the Singularity. And they came around that in 2000, 2040 is when the technological singularity will hit us and all human intelligence will end. 
that's the predicted point in which technology will surpass mankind. Correct. 2040. Correct. Not too far off. No, that's in pretty much 20 years, give or take. So this idea of exponential growth has been in the tech world ever since the tech world even began. Uh, the idea of processors and circuitry exponentially getting smaller and stronger at the same time. But there's also been a lot of skepticism when it comes to this topic of the technological singularity. That people argue that tech innovation actually has started to almost plateau. And some even argue that technological innovation is actually going backwards in time. So we're going further away from the singularity. So there's some more far-fetched ideas, though, when it comes to the singularity. A scientist named uh, Kurzweil suggests in his book, The Singularity, that people will hypothetically live forever by replacing defective parts in their body with synthetic parts and genes, replacing your body with limbs that have been created, fixing your old dying genes that over time the ends of your DNA get frayed. It's the idea of living forever through our intelligence. And there's another far-fetched idea of the immortality singularity, which was argued by Joran Lanner, who states the idea of medicine that will advance so far that a digital ascension will occur. This involves people dying in their flesh and elevating to a digital age where they can live forever with no body, just a computer and a conscience. Cyborg. Cyborg. Not even a cyborg, just living on the net, living in a computer, your conscience. I guess the preliminary step into that phase would be a cyborg and then full-on robot with human consciousness. It's the death of all deaths. That's what it is. Yeah, it's the death of mankind. It's the death of the whole entire idea, the concept of mankind. So, talking about the singularity, you know there was this one movie with Johnny Depp and he became part of the machine and then took over the whole town because his mind was in the machine. Uh, that's one of the pop culture references I found to the singularity. What's that movie called? Uh, Ascension, I think. I don't know. I'm but, intrigued, though. But there's a lot of movies like this. You have, think of Terminator, an artificial intelligence uh, cybernet. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, Skynet. Skynet takes Skynet. over. Skynet. Uh, kills everyone. Robots take over the world. Uh, what else? Matrix. Robots take over the world because of artificial intelligence. Um, what else? What else? What else? What else? What else? What was the other movie we said earlier? X uh, Machina. Isn't that one? That's a movie about an artificial intelligence. Yeah, trying to take over. Yes. Oh, and then I argued that uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the computer Hal, he um, he's a super AI that also tries to take over. And it's kind of a reoccurring theme in modern day pop culture and in our modern day lives. Think of all these AI that's happening right now. Siri, like it's not a learning AI, but think of the new chip that's been announced for the iPhone X and the iPhone 8, of a biometric trip chip that is learning constantly. And that's the future we're looking at. We're looking at a future that has technology um, running on its own and learning and advancing on its own, which is a, a kind of scary, a little bit. A little bit scary, yeah. Like, I don't need my toaster, like, knowing how much I slept last night. The fact that technology kind of knows and is able to do more than mankind is terrifying because technology is a tool. A tool isn't supposed to do as much, if not more, than what the master can do with the tool. <coughs> No, but it's starting to act that way. 
and it's kind of spooky. It's a little spooky to think about that maybe one day the um, robot overlords will take over and we'll be left with nothing but ourselves. But hey, that's just life. You know, that's just the tech life. But I'm sure we'll be fine. We have what, 20 years? Yeah. 23 Give years? Or take. Yeah, uh, 23. That's, I mean, that's the mean. But I know people brought this up. Uh, Elon Musk, uh, Stephen Hawking, they all talk about the singularity that is approaching. It's kind of spooky because it's not like uh, an ice age or global warming that's coming on by nature. It's purely we're pushing ourselves toward this point. It's the not like human spurred phenomenon. It's not like we're this is unavoidable. It's like we're pushing towards this. We're pushing towards the, our own demise at this rate. And, I mean, the people advancing don't care. They don't want to stop it. They just know it's there. And, I mean, as I said, there's some skepticism still of people saying, oh, no, nothing will happen. Which brings up the rules of robotics. Do you know the rules of robotics? No, please tell me the rules of robotics. Um, Is it kind of like the bro code? It's the bro code of the Roboros. So, if you're a robot, you have three rules. Rule number one, never hurt a human. Uh, Rule two, uh, never accept an order that would go against rule one. And rule three is protect the world without hurting rule one. It all all pertains back to (laughs) to root one. It's pretty much three rules that say, uh, don't kill us, please. And that, that's like the golden rules of robotics. A really, really rough version of it. I It was one of those things I heard. It didn't write down. You know, it does sound familiar, the three rules, though. I know the first one is do not cause any harm to a human. And two and three are if something happens, reference rule one. And if rule one does apply, then can't do it. I think actually rule two is like obey any human orders unless it contradicts with rule one. Yeah, yeah. We, we're making rules for sentient life that we created ourselves. But is that fair? I mean, we made it. We should be able to control it. Right? Oh, yeah, it's our tool. It's, it's our tool. tool. You don't want your tool. You don't want your hammer to hit you in the finger every time you use it. I know, but uh, it makes me think it's like maybe maybe I'll be a little nicer to the technology. You know, maybe I won't be so throw my phone across the room. If it's going to start thinking for itself. Better start treating it that way, right? Yeah, I feel like it's better that way. Otherwise, we're going to have some uh, uh uh-oh scenarios. So the singularity is could possibly be the end to mankind. It could, and it's something that we brought upon ourselves, which, I mean, whoops. And in retrospect for the timeline that you gave us uh, by 2040, uh, roughly uh, uh, 23 years from now, if we have singularity, that could kill us off or erase mankind before natural phenomenons do. It's based on our own creation, which is kind of ironic. We've created our own downfall. But that's the same thing with, I mean, global warming and war. We're always causing our own downfall. It's just interesting that this one is truly our own stupidity. No one else brought your smartphone to you, right? Yeah. Only mankind. And it's not like, okay, we'll stop making super intelligences. It's, no, we got Microsoft. We got this new one on its way. It's really cool. It can help you answer questions. You can talk to it. You can have discussions with it. But no, no, we're just trying to run ourselves into the grade with super technology. But it's fine. You know, it's fine. It's fine. Right? I guess. <laughs> I guess, yeah. No one really knows. No one we're does We're in know. such an early stage in the scope of things. I have no idea where we're going to head. 
No, we're constantly changing. But, I mean, that's the singularity. So, Matt, what do you got for me this week? Uh, today, we have a problem that needs to be resolved. I actually have a resolution for that problem. And the resolution happens to be resolution. I haven't even gotten the problem yet. We're not talking about resolving problems in the sense of, oh, I had a political debate at the lunch table. I'm talking about resolution of media screens. Something completely different. Oh, my Lord. Are we talking 4K, 8K, 12K? We're talking 4K, 8K, 12K. Is there a 1K? The world may never know. Is it? So, well, I'll get to that. Okay. So, you might have some questions. Is 4K twice as good as 2K? I mean, it's two times two is four, right? You think. That's got to be better. It's bigger. Is it different from Ultra HD, UHD? Is that something different? Is 1080p 1K? What do all these random numbers mean? Are you wondering these questions? I am. I am wondering a little bit. I'm trying to think if I learned anything and my brain's blank. I probably have learned nothing. I know nothing. Well, I know for a fact you're going to see it every day on your computer, on your phone, when you go to see a movie, resolution. It's all very relevant things to your life. You're looking at a screen every single day. I guarantee all of our listeners are looking at a screen possibly to pull up the podcast, you know? Absolutely. I mean, I'm looking at a screen right now to make sure our levels on these mics are correct. (laughs) (laughs) I hope they're correct. So first, let's talk about the basic what display resolution is. So display resolution or display modes of a digital television, computer monitor, phone screen, or any display device is the number of distinct pixels in each dimension that can be displayed. Basic, right? So it is usually quoted with a width times height with the units in pixels. Um, for example, 1024 by 768 means the width is 1024 pixels and the height is 768 pixels. So width times height. Width Basic. Times height. It's like a, a grid, you know. Uh, so what the heck is a pixel? So a single pixel is or a discrete picture element consists of a tiny dot on a screen. I mean, if you look at your screen really close, you can see a tiny little dot. Yeah, I just, I just like took a quick glance because you think a thousand's a lot. But to make a full-size image on a screen, you know, it takes a lot. It yeah, takes it does. a lot, especially a high-quality image. So, and that's actually another measurement, which I'll explain in a minute. Um, so one of... Uh, one use for the term display resolution applies to the fixed panel arrays displays such as plasma displays, uh, plasma display panels, PDPs, liquid crystal displays, LCDs, digital light processing, DLP projectors, OLED, organic light emitting diode displays, and similar technologies. And it is simply the physical number of columns and rows of pixels creating the display. So I want to make a note. Resolution is not the most important ingredient in picture quality. Just because a TV says 4K UHD doesn't mean it's better than a 1080p TV. It usually does, but that's not always the case because there's many other factors that go into display. But before I get into that, let's go into the modern screens now. So so for a device display such as a phone, a tablet, um, some monitors, televisions, the use of the word resolution as defined, um, as I said, the height times width, is a, it's kind of a misnamed. Um, because display resolution is usually um, used to mean pixel dimensions. The number of pixels in each dimension, which does not tell anything about the pixel density of the display. So pixel density and resolution are two very different things, and they're both important to understand what high-quality images are. 
Okay, so there are two different things, though, but they both affect a resolution in a different way? Yes. So a pixel density is measured in PPI. That's pixels per inch. So you can have a lot of pixels per inch packed into a 1080p display. It depends on how efficiently the pixels are lined up. So that's why some screens, like a 1080p screen, might be a really good 1080p screen. That's why it might be super expensive, whereas like a, there can be a, a cheaper 4K TV. Obviously, 4K, it's hard to make it look bad because there are so many pixels you're working with. But if it's not used efficiently, the picture is just not going to look as good as it could possibly could be. Right. That makes sense. I mean, pixels are pixels. The more and better pixels, the better. Yeah. What do you think's a, a better pixel, a smaller pixel with a lot of them? or a bigger pixel with not, not as many? I think the more you have in a smaller space is better because the density adds more contrast. To, exactly, it? and contrast is a huge factor. The contrast and tone of the colors is another determining factor of what makes a good screen a good screen. So currently, the top of the TV market is 4K. Now, obviously, there's 8K. We all know that. But 4K is the true leader of the industry right now. You know why? It's because a lot of formats are optimized for 4k that's the way they're kind of filmed um 4k and uhd ultra hd are referring to the same resolution actually those tvs along with ultra hd blu-ray um and like all the content from netflix amazon and other providers all f are filmed at that 3840 by 2160 resolution so a lot of times that's commonly referred to as cinema 4k Oh, okay, okay. Now I can put that connection together. Yeah, a cinema screen, that's what you look at when you're at the movie theater. It's filmed in that formatting. It's the, it's it's basically the dimensions that you're filming at. The reason 4K is the most well-received resolution nowadays is because the content is filmed as the 4K. So technically 4K means a horizontal resolution of 4096 pixels. This is the resolution set forth by the digital cinema initiatives because movies vary in aspect ratio which refers to the exact shape of the like rectangle. Right. It could be uh, different ratios. No vertical resolution is specified. So it's just the horizontal resolution of 4,096 pixels is cinema 4K. Oh, so you could have, um, I think it's cinema, you could have like cinemascope 4K and you could also have regular 4K. Yeah, and, and one happens to be wider than the other? Um, no, no, no. They're the same width, but on cinemascope, you cut off the top and the bottom, I believe. Oh, uh, well, well, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that but makes sense. then the height doesn't change, but the width is the same. I know some vintage films that they, um, like Tarantino, I'm thinking, uh, is it Hateful Eight, that film? Yeah. That was his most recent. Um, he shot that in Panavision. Um, it was super wide, which is a super special format. And if you got to see it on a special projector with a special screen, uh, it was like an epic film because they use special lenses to actually film it on a film camera. Right. It's something really unique. So 8K follows the same exact logic. If you're talking about TVs, it's twice the horizontal and vertical of 4K TVs. So in this case, it would be 7,680 by 4,320 pixels. Uh, this isn't cinema resolution yet, at least not outside of the uh, experimental stage. Really? Not yeah. I'm surprised. So we're actually a long way from 8K TVs being anything close to mainstream. I mean, they sell them now, but the amount of content that's actually in 8K, I mean, yeah, you can bump 4K up to 8K, but it's just not going to be the same qu native quality that it could be. Well, I know with cameras, uh, there's a lot of push to move to 4K. Well, first it was 2K, now it's 4K, and now 
8K. But people are saying it's like no one can watch these. But as time goes on, when those do become available, the old content will still be watchable. It will still be accessible. Exactly. Think about it. If you go on YouTube and watch a video from 10 years ago, the quality is going to be like a potato. You don't want to watch that. No, you don't. If we're filming in the highest quality um, setting that we can possibly have now, it's going to be for much better viewing quality in the future when we're used to that high resolution. And that's what you want. You always want to move forward with the high resolution as, I mean, with the tech singularity, we're going to keep moving forward with technology. So it only makes sense that the resolution of the things we watch is also going to move up as well. There's a couple of YouTube creators that actually film in 8K, make their videos, which is crazy. The amount of storage it takes up for the files is crazy. And no one can actually truly watch 8K unless they have a crazy high-speed internet connection and the appropriate hardware and display properties of their computer to actually watch it in 8K. But they're doing it kind of for, it's like a time capsule of quality. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of. I know um, Devin Supertramp for one. Oh yeah, they're just pushing the boundaries. He shoots all his videos in 8K now, but it's like no one, even cinemas, most cinemas, they're not 8K, are they? No. No. Not yet. Only in experimental phases. No one is watching on 8K, but, I mean, the company Red, Red's big on pushing the boundaries of sensors, and they're like, yeah, 8K sensor, go drop your money on that. And a lot of people are interested in that because, as you said, it's a time capsule. It's like people will be able to watch this video in higher quality than us going back in time and watching like uh, like a standard definition video. It's a, such a big difference. It's a quality of life for the future. Exactly. It's a quality of life. Um, you mentioned 2K with the cameras. 2K, uh, it was actually before 4K became common. You'd almost never see really 2K. Um, you did see it in like cameras, obviously. Uh, it was pretty much just like a cinema re- resolution, uh, which is why you'll sometimes see it used to be referred, referred to as master format. Most digital cinema projectors used in theaters are 2K resolution. Some are a little bit less. It's 2048 pixels wide. And again, there's no vertical resolution because it's specified by the that film agency just for width. All right. So now we're going to move to 1080p or full HD. This is the by far the most common platform. Uh, probably your devices are, are watching this video uh, or a video at 1080p uh, or f- uh, full HD, it's considered. Um, 1080p is the vertical resolution. Almost all HDTVs have an aspect ratio of 1.78 to 1 or uh, 16 by 9 aka widescreen um, so that means a horizontal resolution of 1920 pixels by 1080 or 1080 so another source of confusion since uh, decades of tv discussions have uh, talked about vertical resolutions and then all of a sudden we're talking about 4k tvs which refers to the horizontal resolution so there's kind of like a shift in what the standard uh, ratios were was the was there reasoning behind this or it kind of just a change no, the it's just it just kind of well it was a marketing thing to make it seem like the quality was so much better right so that means a 1080p is not actually 1k it's actually 2k and then finally when they got to four um a little less than 4k they bumped it to 4k just to make it seem better you know so they never called 1080p 2k even though it's closer to 1000 doesn't well, really make sense yeah, yeah, right yeah. Well, it's like it's 4K isn't exactly 4,000, but 4K sounds a lot better than what 4,000. It's it's a catchy marketing name that they can use in the store. When you see 4K in gold letters on a TV, you're like, oh, that's an expensive, good quality TV. 
So resolution, cool stuff. Duh, are you going to talk more about uh, the OLEDs? The OLED display is something not super new because it's been around for the past maybe like seven years. It's coming more popular though. And I found out some interesting stuff about it on some tech thing that it actually has the blackest blacks. Yeah, that's because the LEDs, it's organic. It can turn off completely to form black rather than simulate the color black. That's why I think it's really interesting because a lot of screens, you may be looking at a screen, you might assume it's off, but it's actually pro- like projecting a black color, right? Well, that's the typical screen. The OLED screen is literally, it looks like if it's off, it's off. But I mean, it's instant to wake up. Like, you know, the Samsung always on screen? Yeah. How it's a clock? That's an OLED display. They first came out with that with the OLED because it doesn't take much battery because the only pixels that are lit up are the ones that formulate the numbers of the clock or whatever you have on the screen. The black, it's actually off. Whereas on like an iPhone where they don't have an OLED display until the iPhone 10 recently, but most iPhones up until the 10 or all iPhones up until the 10, to have a black color, it's kind of like a blue hue because it has to be lit. It's a lit pixel formulating black. It can't be on all the time. Otherwise, it'd be wasting battery. It's cool tech. I, I love hearing about the future of resolution. I personally can't afford to go through monitors or TVs or stuff like that. So. Have you sat in front of a curved OLED 4K display? I've sat in front of a curved display. I haven't sat in front of a curved 4K OLED display. It is truly impressive. It's very immersive. And it and it feels like almost you're looking through a window. They're making TVs that are so thin now that it looks like a window. It's well, incredible. I guess, I guess that's the future. Of very, like, I mean, tech, tech is getting thinner and thinner. But get this. All ABC, Fox, ESPN, and their affiliate sister channels broadcast only at 720p. Really? Yeah. Not even 1080? So the sources of our content need to boost their quality before cons- consumers can purchase these high-quality screens. Otherwise, you're wasting money. Wait, f- everything like the Super Bowl as well is only in 780? I mean... 720. 720? Yeah, that's the true native broadcast resolution. Huh. Interesting. Now there's, uh, I don't know too much about the, like, you can downgrade and upgrade, you know, your resolutions in production software, but I don't know how much that alters the quality. So yeah, truly it's just 720p. Well, we learned some interesting stuff this week. Do you have anything more? Uh, That's all. All right. Well, I guess a similar topic is, Technology is changing, and for better or for worse. <laughs> yeah, it may, it may take over, or it may make your life better, or it may make your life better and then take over. Yeah, I hope it's the latter. I like the nice, pleasant things in life before they take over. But that's it for um, us. Two Top Podcast, Two top. Yeah. episode 30. Yeah, 30. Well, we don't really number them anymore. I mean, we, we number them, but like, if you go back, it's... Yeah, it's fine. It's fine, guys. All right. Well, have a good one. (laughs) See ya. Yeah. This was Two Top. 
an independently created and run podcast created by Thomas Lance and Matt Berg and produced by Thomas Lance. Two Top is currently a non-funded project recorded weekly. For general inquiries or feedback, contact us at twotoppodcast at gmail.com. Thanks and join us next week for another Two Topics.